1: Welcome to the 42cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I'm your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode lined up for you where we're going to talk about Orphan Black. This is another one from deep in the realms of our archives. It is the earliest episode in my backlog. We did record it about two and a half years ago. I had just binged watched Orphan Black at that point and I really wanted to talk about it, but as happens so often, other episodes became more important and they started drifting to the top and this one kept getting pushed back and just this year with corona meaning that there's less stuff that i need to talk about and record and there's less episodes that i need to put out by a certain date because the shows aren't returning at a particular time and With Ben there to help me get stuff out in a more timely manner, suddenly I was able to look at this one and say, yes, now is the time to release it. So that's why you're getting it a little bit late, but I think that since the series was already over when we recorded it, and it's not like there's been a whole lot of development with it. There is something, though, which I am going to talk about in the outro, but there isn't a whole lot of development with it. So it's something that we could sort of hold off on and just release now. Now, the reason that I'm letting you all know that, though, is when we talk about places that we're going or people that we've talked to and stuff like that, just so you know, we're not breaking lockdown. This was recorded way before there was a lockdown. In geeky news for me, my wife and I finished Stargirl. We really liked it. There will be a Stargirl episode coming up on the 42 cast. We're now watching the third season of Young Justice. That's the show that we picked up because we were paying for the DC Universe streaming service. So we're going to watch Young Justice, and then we're going to watch Titans, and then we're going to watch Doom Patrol. So we'll just sort of cycle through all the shows on that service and get that done. And so, yeah, that sort of brings us up to right now. And so now we're going to go back to the podcast already in progress. Let's greet our guests and first up uh, sitting with me is my other half her secret origin was that she was one of the mice helping cinderella and that is my wife beth <laughs> hi
2: everybody
1: <laughs> how are you doing Beth?
2: that is the best introduction i've ever had
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
2: i'm doing well thank
1: you <laughs> you're welcome so what has hap- what's been going on for you since the last time you were on the podcast
2: well You know this. We just got back from Chicago TARDIS, and I entered the masquerade with my giant one-eyed pickle known as Alpha Centauri, and I got best in show.
1: Very good. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, describe Alpha Centauri for people who don't know what that is.
2: So, it's uh, a creature from Doctor Who. Just imagine a pickle with one big eye, six arms, and a cape.
1: That's a pretty good description.
2: Just Google it. And do the voice. Words do not do it
3: justice. Do the voice. I don't no know. Ge- Googling one-eyed pickle is probably gonna lead to. <laughs> no. no, 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 no. Abort.
2: Not recommended.
1: Uh, uh, uh. Uh, yeah, you gotta do the voice now, Beth.
2: I did. You missed
1: it. I know. But people were talking. Oh, so okay. do it clean.
2: Hello, I am Alpha Centauri.
1: <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was pretty cool. And you uh, you posted on your Facebook page, right, for your for your Mrs. Whiskers or not?
2: Yeah, I did. I, I put the right. skit on there, and I, I, I did the chicken dance. It was a, a big hit.
1: All right, so if people want to check that out, your Facebook page is...
2: Mrs. Whiskers Studios.
1: All right. Very cool. It's very good to have you back on the show, Beth.
2: Good to be here.
1: All right. The <laughs> this side of the veil. <laughs> right. Okay, so next up is a guy that you hear talking on this show all the time... His secret origin is that Sam the Eagle once drank the Super Soldier Serum. <laughs> and that is my nemesis, Mr. Ryan Guthrie. How are you doing, Ryan?
3: That, you know, I- I'm good with that origin <laughs> yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I-, I mean, Sam the Eagle's already kind of like the buffest Muppet ever. Right. You know? <laughs> That's true.
1: He sort of towers over most of the rest of them.
3: Yeah, you know. But other- I'm doing great. I'm recovering from vacation and uh, catching up on so much TV. Hmm. So I finally caught up on Supergirl. And now I'm trying to, I'm about five episodes behind on Flash, Arrow, and Legends of Tomorrow. Oh, wow. So, you know, yeah, getting there. <laughs> yeah.
1: Your vacation wasn't five weeks long, was it?
3: No, no, it's just prior to that, you know, other things. I mean, hmm. the vacation was like 10 days, but that's enough to miss two episodes hmm. on top of just, you know, already being, you know, an episode or, episode or two behind. So, yeah. And, you know, I, I haven't halfway through Punisher and had to see Justice League. What are you going to do? Yeah,
1: yeah mm-hmm. no, I, I, I get it. <laughs> Although I'm just waiting on Punisher until all the other shows go on their winter break. Yeah.
0: I don't know that that's a bingeable show. It's <laughs> not for me.
4: Yeah,
1: we'll <laughs> we'll, a- we'll see. I mean, all that I have to watch when all the other shows go on break for winter is The Librarian, so I'll have plenty of free time, so we'll see. I'll watch the first one and see how it goes from there. I haven't seen Runaways either, which is another yeah, show I plan on doing show. during the break.
3: I haven't, I haven't watched a single episode of Inhumans yet. So
1: that's oh, okay. Yeah. I, I would like to say you're in for a treat, but...
3: <laughs> <laughs> and that's why it keeps getting moved further and further down the list. <laughs>
1: That was a show I watched because I said it's probably going to come up in Agents of Shield at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I just recorded an episode about inhuman. Yeah. So, it's fresh in my mind.
3: I'm sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't, didn't want to bring it back up. Yeah,
1: right, yeah, yeah. So, where would you go on your vacation?
3: We went to London and Paris.
1: Oh, okay.
3: Ooh, so yeah. that's
1: that's nice. I knew the London from a picture that you posted. I didn't realize that you also did Paris.
3: Yeah, we, um... Okay, so, like, long story short, we didn't get a chance to go to DragonCon because stupid Hurricane Harvey.
1: Right.
3: So... All credit to Delta and Marriott. They were good with us, gave us back our points and and all that other jazz. And we were able to just kind of roll it forward into uh, a trip to London. And then from there, we just took the train to Paris for a couple of days. Mm. And uh, it was bucket list stuff, you know, got to go to the top of the Eiffel Tower. Which, you know, that was no problem. I mean, it wasn't high at all. I I didn't have any any problem at all going up there. No. No.
1: (laughs) I I think you protest too much. (laughs) (laughs) the
3: the whole time i was thinking of superman 2 which in the very beginning you know lois is going up and i was trying to i was trying to explain this to my wife who she's seen it but it's been like you know 20 years (laughs) but and it's been a while for me too but that's the moment i got on the elevator it came back to the the bomb going off in the elevator (laughs) and that's how uh yeah the whole thing how zod gets free yeah Mm. Uh, uh, we're about to free zod that's my whole
1: (laughs) 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 <laughs> yeah it's not that you have like a fear of heights or anything it was totally Nothing, superman 2 no.
3: <laughs> i was trying to save mankind right you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay well <laughs> it's good to have you back on ryan good to be back <laughs> all right and finally is someone we haven't heard from in a while she is a cosplayer extraordinaire her secret origin is that she is a Greek statue brought to life, and that is my friend Angie. How are you doing, Angie?
0: I am very well, thank you.
1: You're welcome. Tired. Yeah, so uh, you were just doing some work preparing a room in your house, right?
0: Yeah, we finally moved in to our house. So today was a paint day, I'm trying to paint my kids' bedroom so it's not all agreeable gray like the rest of the house.
1: Mm hmm. No. Yeah. Our house when we got in was an off brown puke sort of color.
2: <laughs> is that the Sherwood Williams?
1: That my mom was like was it was all the rage in the 70s. So.
2: Um, <laughs> yeah, I just referred to it as a 3-month-old 3-month-old's diaper <laughs> I mean, I've seen that so many times. It was fresh in my memory. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you
3: for clarifying. <laughs> oh, you know it what? Is bad? Don't knock it until you picture it with shag carpeting.
2: Large was just stained still is but you know what when you got kids who cares Mm -hmm.
1: so i'm sure that moving in has dominated a lot of your time recently
0: yeah we haven't really gone or done anything exciting so we've just been slowly catching up on all of the television that we're behind Mm -hmm. on so i caught up on flash and just finished arrow and started punisher last night Oh, okay. Which is why I say I had to stop. I don't think I can binge that show.
1: Yeah, I've heard a lot of people on Facebook saying similar things, so that doesn't surprise me.
0: It's good. It's just...
3: It's intense. It's
0: I'm sheltered. I can't handle that much brutal depression. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you had told me previously that you watched Justice League recently, right?
0: Yeah. Probably. Well, I saw the press screening. It's out now, right?
1: Yeah, it's, <laughs> 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 yes, it's out now. <laughs> Oh, you like to rub it in, don't you? I'm wow. sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I went to the press screening. I super enjoyed it. The rest of the press that was there didn't so much. <laughs> That's okay.
1: I had a good time. That is a movie with a very huge dichotomy of opinions about it. And I've got to say, as much as we've ragged on their show about Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, I really liked Justice League. Uh, I thought it was a, a very bit large improvement over those two.
0: Yeah, I uh, I think I liked Wonder Woman better, but no yeah, surprise yeah. there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I really genuinely enjoyed it. So I don't know what everyone else is smoking. We were definitely watching <laughs> the same movie. <laughs>
1: right. And so, Ryan, were you saying that you enjoyed it too?
3: Well, I-, I think you, when when you put it in reference to Man of Steel and, and BVS, B- 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 yeah, it's a great movie.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: I agree, it's not as good as Wonder Woman, but it made me realize that up until this point, what the dc eu was missing was likable characters. I mean, I, I I was willing to forgive a villain that made Marvel villains look good just because I liked the characters, you know. No, nothing uh, I don't, or a plot line which is already recycled from Man of Steel. I mean, it, none of that mattered because I actually cared about the characters.
1: Mhm. I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. And Beth, what did you think of Justice League?
2: I was quite surprised because all leading up to that I was thinking oh he's gonna drag me to see this movie (laughs) and And
1: I I, did you did
2: (laughs) but I can't I I sat there and I was like oh my god this is actually turning out to be really good
1: yeah well I mean it's the little things and I don't want to get too far down the Justice League rabbit hole but it's stuff like Superman and the Flash having a race at the end yeah you know it's like these these are buddies these are likable people you know this is it's like what Ryan was saying I mean And finally, Henry Cavill smiles, you know, it's like death was good for him. You know, I mean, everyone was worried it
3: was going to be bad. And I was like, no, this is like completely different guy. Yeah, he got better. Right. Yeah, he got better. So, (laughs) Even the pacing was good. I never realized until this one just how bad the pacing was in Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman. This one, the credits rolled, and I was like, wow, was that, an hour and a half, maybe? It, it, and, of course, it wasn't. Yeah. But, yeah, it, there was just... I don't know. I, there was no point in the movie. I was like, I kind of would
1: Really? You didn't feel like BVS dragged? Because I sure felt like BVS well, no, S- that's S- dragged quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, I felt
3: like BVS... Every time I watch that, I, I kind of think, I wish I had to go to the bathroom. You know, uh, <laughs> 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 and, and this one, no, it was over before I knew it. It just there was never a, a dull moment in it. Yeah,
1: I, I completely agree with that. So that's good because I mean, I still know people who are like ragging on it too. I mean, I, it's 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 so polarizing and. I am curious what movie the other people are watching because I full I went into this movie fully expecting to hate it based on Man of Steel and BVS and uh, or not yeah. maybe necessarily not hate it but no I have but, a lot of problems with it you know I, I was coming in expecting another Snyder Vision movie and either he's completely changed or Whedon somehow in editing was able to work miracles.
3: Well, I think the success of Wonder Woman made. W uh, Warner Brothers, you know, revisit their strategy with mm-hmm. regards to it. But I think, I, I, here's the thing, I, I'm not going to really be able to know how I feel about it for at least a year or two, because how much of it is just I went in with such low expectations, <laughs> <laughs> and, and how much of it is actually the movie itself?
1: Yeah. I agree, but I think that there's a lot of things in there that I can point to that are different from how BVS was done that I think that it was positive, even if I feel more positively about it than I sh- than I would if I was coming in with high expectations. So I do think it was a step in the right direction.
3: Yeah. It would have it been almost impossible not to be. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Are you going to update your infographic, Ryan?
3: <laughs> I should. I'm going to break that up. The trend is going to slow down a bit. It's not... Sure. It's not. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, I see... I need to see it a second time before I really decide just where it fits in on that. Okay.
0: <laughs> I feel like the like fact that you're willing to watch it a second time it answers all questions.
3: It does. Well, I watched the extended version of Batman vs. Superman because I hate myself. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Here's the thing. I don't own Man of Steel, BVS, or Suicide Squad. I own Wonder Woman and I'm going to own Justice League. So, you know, that's saying a lot right there, because I own a lot of superhero movies, but those first three did not get me to go out and buy them, so...
2: And this is a completionist, folks.
1: Yeah, I am. I, <laughs> I, I bought the Electra DVD because I'm a completionist.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One gripe I have about all the DC movies, and it's just a such a tiny thing that I wish they would fix, is why the heck don't they name the characters aquaman is the only one that got called aquaman well and batman and superman but mm-hmm. no one ever said cyborg no one ever said flash no one ever said justice league no one ever said wonder woman anytime in any of their movies just call them by their names is all i want <laughs>
1: oh you're just nitpicking there i <laughs> i don't think i am <laughs> they know the audience knows who they are Anyway, well, they all learn each other's secret identities, so they don't need yeah. to use those names, because it's well, just like Diana, you
3: know. Bruce Wayne's given up on a secret identity,
1: clearly. <laughs> <laughs> He's too old for that. Yeah. All right, so, <laughs> so now we're going to move to our new segment that is replacing five questions, which is five-minute controversies, which, I'll do credit, this was Ryan's idea. But instead of doing five sort of random questions and they can only have a yes or no answer that tend to lead us down rabbit holes where each one takes 20 minutes, we're going to do one question that will hopefully only take about five minutes to debate. So I'm going to go with one that, just because as of the time of the recording of this podcast, the Infinity War trailer just dropped yesterday. So one of the comments that I've been seeing a lot on Facebook and that sort of echoes my own comment was that Thanos looks ridiculous with basically a space tank top. So I wanted <laughs> I wanted to ask everybody what you think about Thanos' new look and whether or not you think he should go back to the full, you know, sort of armored look or the hey, i just pumping iron at the gym look that he's got in this with his tiny, puny little head and gigantic muscle-bound body. Uh, so. Ryan, since you suggested this one, why don't you start off?
3: <laughs> well, as usual, I think you are wrong, 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 wrong. <laughs> I... With the possible accession of the, the kind of the change in the skin tone, I have no problems with his new look. It looks more, to me badass he looks more like a a, like i think i said to you a conqueror you know when you're when you're invulnerable you don't need armor and so i do think that he's if if i'm going to have a scene in infinity war and i'm sure i'm going to where he goes toe-to-toe with the hulk or something like that this look is appropriate
1: See, I- I'm going to disagree with you on both counts because I actually think everybody that's talking about the skin tone is, that's ridiculous. It has to do with the fact that he's in sunlight. They haven't changed his skin tone. It's just in different lighting, different <laughs> colors look different. So I have no problem with the skin tone because it's a very bright scene where his skin looks like it's kind of beigey. And I'm positive that that's all that that is. But
3: Daytime versus nighttime look. Is but I disagree
1: entirely because the Thanos is not a... brawler. He is not a guy that goes and goes toe-to-toe with the Hulk. In fact, in the Thanos quest, he says that he's long avoided a direct confrontation with the Hulk because he doesn't like that kind of thing. Even though he's sure he would win it, you know, it's not the kind of thing he goes for. He is a thinker. He is a plotter. He is a planner. He uses his brains. And so... He can can be both! uh, uh, I don't know. It just it, to me, it sends the wrong message. It makes me a little worried how they're gonna depict Thanos in this. And I disagree. I th- I think that the more regal bearing is a more imposing figure, the unflappable guy that doesn't even need to leave his chair to defeat you. You know, I mean that's a far worse threat than just a basically a Hulk in purple skin. That's not what I know. I, we've seen it. But anyway, <laughs> I'm talking a lot. So Angie, what do you? think? <laughs>
0: Thanos looks ridiculous, but <laughs> Thanos always I, Thanos has always looked ridiculous. I don't know what you're going to do with him to make him look less ridiculous.
1: I don't know. The, the shots that we saw him in, which uh, admittedly was not long in, in Guardians of the Galaxy and in the two Avengers movies, I thought that he looked fine. I thought he looked perfectly good. I had no issues with any of that.
0: I cared way more about other aspects of that trailer.
3: Okay. Well, <laughs> oh, so did we all. I don't know. Sure, but there have sure. been... <laughs> there have been a hundred memes already made, like, you know, my favorite is the, what you order online, and it's the old Th- Thanos, and then what you what you get in the bo- in the box, and it's the new Thanos. Well,
1: here's my issue. This version of Thanos looks like a guy that'll show up and be like, bruh. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's what he looks like. He <laughs> no. looks like he's just pumping iron at the gym, and he's got his little tank top, and his arms are exposed, and it's just, ugh, oh, it's just stupid. All right, Beth, what do you think?
2: <laughs> I'm just over here basking in the glory that is you. Uni- Nitpicking someone's costume
1: <laughs> because that is
2: so atypical for you, and I'm just loving it deep down inside. And it's <laughs>
1: such a tiny head on this big hulking body; it looks ridiculous. Yeah,
2: I, I, I think armor it should be the way to go, and that's. It doesn't need. I really this, can't this? elaborate because everything that's been said
3: so far is. All right, terrible. all right.
1: Forget the fact that it's armor, Ryan. Just clothing him is the way to go.
3: It's the naked arms and the the, and the naked head. Do you, have, do you have something against bald people, Nathan? <laughs> no. But I, but in the way, even like his
1: head, like his chin is so much wider than the skull part. And again, it just... It's
2: like a cheese grater. I know,
1: it just looks ridiculous. He needs the helmet. At the very least, he needs something on his head, some headgear to make that look better because that just looks... The arms I care less about, but the, he needs headgear. It just looks silly.
3: It sounds to me that you want more like Ming the Merciless, whereas I'm seeing more like Genghis Khan.
1: Uh Uh-huh.
3: Even Genghis Khan wore armor!
1: (laughs) Leathers.
3: He didn't wear like, you know, metal. (laughs) You know? <laughs> but he well, didn't.
2: He didn't um, show up on the ar- on the battlefield of the tube top. Well, and here's the thing,
1: Ryan. <laughs> the clothes that Thanos wears in the comics are not metal either. In, in the in the MCU, they've made it look more armory. But in the comics, that is not armor. That is clothing. They've shown him take off like the gloves and stuff, and they collapse like like a cloth, not. It's not like a rigid, yeah, you know, I'm thing. Sure like sure, it's
3: unmade of <laughs> unstable <laughs> molecules, too. Right, <laughs> that's right, true. You know, <laughs> well, here's Marvel the thing.
1: Clothing. Well, and here's another thing. I mean, if they <laughs> do Thanos the way he is in the comics, he shoots energy blasts. Again, he doesn't need to brawl. He can, you know, sit far away and blast people.
3: This is the same character who you have to remember deliberately set his own children up to fight each other, to kill each other. This is the same guy who who tore Nebula apart bit by bit, you know, and replaced her with machinery to toughen her up. There's going to be a certain amount of sadism in the character, and that's going to involve it's like he the line he says in the movie you know, balancing the universe isn't uh, a matter of fun, but this does bring a smile to my face. Mm. He's enjoying himself. Mm.
0: So he ripped off his sleeves to teach them a lesson?
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's what Ryan's saying. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Alright, I dig it. <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah,
1: cause, I mean, you're, <laughs> I, I mean wearing clothes or not wearing clothes, I mean, being fully clothed or not being fully clothed, it doesn't change his ability to brawl even if he wants to brawl
3: my last remark that i'll make on this is that if you're you're complaining about that he's not he's not adhering to how he's depicted in the comics i'll point out that in the comics there was an episode where thanos celebrated christmas with Gamora and uh, Nebula, so you know. <laughs> I, I all right. I'm sure you can point me to where that is. It was
1: probably not an in canon comic, but sure, like one of the holiday special kind of like one off.
3: And they did one of those every planet has a winter celebration type. Right, thing. Yeah. but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll I'll see if I can't find it in Okay. okay. But oh, you know what once once we get new warriors or whatever he'll be defeated by Squirrel Girl anyway so <laughs> <it> won't matter. <laughs> well, that's okay. When he first showed up in Avengers, he had a
1: helicopter that he used that actually had Thanos <laughs> yes. written on the side of it. So, you know. <laughs> Branding. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, I uh, know I see but, I mean look, we don't have Doctor Doom in this in in the MCU and Thanos is basically space Doctor Doom. So that's what I want. I want a cerebral character. I do not want a brawler. That's just on that level, but I still think it looks ridiculous regardless. And I think there's no reason for it from an in-story perspective. But maybe, maybe this, the previews, what we're seeing, that's the entirety of when he looks like that. In every other scene he'll be fully clothed, in which case that'll be fine,
3: but
2: maybe he's just stepping out of the
3: shower <laughs> hey you know Thanks, <laughs> Tony changes his armor like three times per movie yeah. why can't Thanos have a wardrobe you know <laughs> that's
1: true. it's true I mean they might have interrupted him while he was at the gym and then it would make complete sense <laughs> so that might be what's going on then. Yeah. So. <laughs> alright so I think that's as long as this needs devoted to it <laughs> this is a lot shorter than five questions already
3: but your devoted listeners need to like you know write in and you know tell you you're wrong (laughs) (laughs) and where can they do that they (laughs) you
1: can do that at everything at 42cast.com and let us know all your negative thoughts about ryan (laughs) or the facebook page all right so before we dive into our topic let's pause for a moment for this promo from another fine podcast Do you know you could take the DragonCon report with you wherever you go? Heck, we are even now up on Alexa. Hey Alexa, play the DragonCon podcast up on iHeartRadio.
2: Playing the DragonCon report from iHeartRadio. Playing the latest episode, the 2020 DragonCon report episode 2.
3: Howdy, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of the 2020 DragonCon
1: Report. Now, how cool is that? Remember, the DragonCon Report can be found wherever you find podcasts. See you at the show in September. and we're back. This week we are talking about the show Orphan Black, the Canadian-British co-production that uh, lasted for five seasons on BBC America and doesn't seem to have gotten as much love as I think that it should have, because like Ryan and I were talking about at one point, a lot of people that we know didn't really watch this show, so it's kind of good to talk to people who have seen it. So, Angie, why don't you uh, tell people at home who may not be familiar with Orphan Black, what is this show about?
0: This show showcases Tatiana Maslany, who's the main character, her acting talent, which is immense. Basically, the conceit of the show is that a con artist one evening runs into someone who looks exactly like her, committing suicide by train, and then decides to assume her identity to steal all her money. And it spirals out of control from there.
1: Yeah. And she discovers that there are all kinds of people who look like her.
0: Right. So Tatiana Maslany is the main character. She plays a whole lot of versions of herself and it's an incredible watch.
1: Yeah, I didn't look up. I'm sure somewhere they they probably list how many different iterations she plays. But yeah, it's a lot of different characters and all of different nationalities too. Yeah or mostly of different nationalities. So, yeah, I mean, it's... So she not only plays lots of different characters, she also plays a lot of different accents, and she does a tremendous job with that. Helena is probably closest to her natural accent because she is Ukrainian, but they're all very realistic. So there's several main characters that she plays. Beth, why don't you talk about one of the... One of the characters. You can pick any one of them.
2: We'll start with Beth because that's my name. Okay, sure. <laughs> it is so rare to find a character in any media that's got my name. So I, I just, <laughs> that's just Beth, just like, and not Elizabeth. What? Yeah. <laughs> every time, I, every time I heard it, I had to like do a double take because I was like, "Wait, they can't be talking about me. What's going on here?" So the one who committed suicide by train was Beth. I promise, I'm not going to do that.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's random, but good. <laughs>
2: it's a little bit. It's a little bit weird to talk about my name in this regard. And she is, was a detective, mm. and she was like the protector of the group that they became known as Clone Club.
1: Yeah, or the Sestras. That was later. Yeah, I know.
3: <laughs> but I love the Sestras.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, Ryan, why don't you talk about one of the clones?
3: I would talk about who was by far my favorite, and that would be Alison Hendricks. Mm. Because what this show did with each clone was... Change the entire at least in the beginning was changed the entirety of the nature of the series when you were following sarah it's kind of a con show you know when you're following uh, Casima, there's it's a little bit of a science procedural when you're following beth it becomes a cop you know show or you know in the flashbacks anyways mm. but when you're following allison it's really about a psychotic suburban mom <laughs> <laughs> And it was great. Who finds very creative ways of cursing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just yeah. rocks the bangs. I mean, you know. <laughs> no, it, it, Allison was... It, it, they, they would go to her kind of when they needed a humorous break. But in a lot of ways, she was... In the middle of the series, they're probably the scariest of the clones.
1: Yeah. I had some issues in the middle of the season with how they depicted her. Anyway, we'll get into that uh, a little bit later. I guess I'll go with Rachel because i well i won't say that i liked rachel like she was somebody that i would like to like hang out with i liked what they did with rachel because it was very understandable as someone who knew her entire life that she was just one of many and sort of the competitiveness and the way that she became obsessed with being the best of and the most powerful of the clones made a lot of sense. And so I really liked her arc as a character, and I liked them sort of depicting how she sort of deals with all of that and coming into where she really just needed to let go of it all. So I, I really appreciated uh, Rachel as a character. So Angie, what about you? What's a clone that you'd like to talk about?
0: Oh, uh, it's rough. I also adore Allison. I guess I'll talk about the third and the main three She's a scientist. She comes from a science background. She was a grad student at the beginning of the show. So she's someone a lot of time that seems of the main clones that has the most at stake she's the one that has the the knowledge to actually help with trying to fix what's wrong with them and because she also ends up being ill with the disease that all of the clones end up getting it seems like the stakes for her tend to be highest but she is always very laid back i feel like she's kind of the calmest of the clones
1: yeah she's a hippie
0: yes and her parents are hippies <laughs> on a houseboat
1: so. right yes exactly <laughs> Yeah, I call shenanigans a little bit on her disease, which like miraculously goes into remission. And even though they talk about it a lot in the last three seasons, it doesn't seem to actually impede her in any way. You know, she was at death's door, and then suddenly it was like, oh, magically it went into remission. You know, so uh, Magic. I, I always found that aspect problematic. <laughs> Th- they went too quickly with it, and then decided to backpedal.
3: I think a lot of that might have had to do. Oh, we're we're gonna get another season here.
1: right Right. you you can tell that this show was not and the the arcs for each season were planned out before they went into the season but i do not believe that all five seasons were like a planned storyline because several of the ways that this show twists and turns if you binge the whole show like right on top of each other like i did the whole series it seems a little like what (laughs) you know but anyway. So the rest of them we have
2: we can keep going around the circle, I mean.
1: Oh you wanna keep going <laughs> we can on the circle? Going. Yeah. Okay, so, alright, <laughs> sorry, all right, sorry. all right, we'll keep going. Can we
2: count Charlotte? You she's can count Charlotte. Okay, so Charlotte was a clone of Rachel. And yeah. she is the youngest, so she's almost she's like Rachel's daughter in a sense. Mm. So she has a bad leg, and she has the earliest onset of the disease that affects the the cestadus.
1: Right, because she wasn't made with the same process the rest of them were, so Mm -hmm. there were some... It's the clone of the clones. There's
3: there's more complications.
1: Okay. Ryan?
3: I'm going to go with... Well, what the heck? I'll stick with the the crazy funny ones. (laughs) That would be Crystal. (laughs) oh okay wow there's
1: one that i'm shocked hasn't been mentioned yet but okay yeah
3: she's the obvious well there are two actually that are kind of the easy obvious ones but crystal who i think is the other blonde one from the one you're thinking of maybe Uh. is she didn't show she showed up towards the end second to last season i think uh, no. Third season
1: third? is when she first shows up.
3: See, I, I didn't. I've watched the series live, you know, week to week. So I am kind of interested on the different perspective of binging it versus the watching it live. Because I do agree with you. Thinking back on it from season to season, it's disjointed going from one season to the next. But I think you're probably if you'd watched it live, you wouldn't be as quite as aware of it as as right. binging it.
1: Well, yeah, because 10, 10 weeks out of a year and then having to wait like 42 weeks for the next 10, I mean, yeah, that's a lot of time to sort of forget exactly. before you go into the season. Kind yeah. of
3: fade to the background. But the thing about Crystal, when I was sold on Crystal, I think was actually her very first appearance. Yeah, there are several clones which are kind of just throwaways. They show them once and they're done or they're mm. immediately killed or whatever. But Crystal said something along the lines of, I'm probably going to screw up the quote but Felix had gone in undercover to talk to her and uh, she said that she noticed that after every six months all of her boyfriends just disappeared they were her observers and she's like Mm. you know I know I'm not smart but I'm not dumb and I don't know why but that line just the way Tatiana delivered it suddenly I was like oh you know I just wanted to uh, just tell her no she's not dumb she's great at nails or something
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I love that she like thought it was like a whole cosmetics industry conspiracy (laughs) Her conspiracy theories that she came up with later were the best part. She
2: was a delight. (laughs) Yeah. Her own way. She was a delight.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Okay, Angie, who do you want to talk about next?
2: Oh, we'll talk about Helena.
1: Okay.
0: Helena, besides being one of the funniest, uh, maybe unintentionally funniest,
1: (laughs) clones, um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) she was great because she went from antagonist to just beloved by the end, and it all felt so natural even though Mm -hmm. none of that should have worked at all and like her relationship with allison and donnie is one of my favorite things (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, when she was saying that she thought like da- like Allison has really good taste in like in both in like uh, fashion and in men and then she's like you are like baby ox you know? <laughs> talking to Donnie like so strong and powerful and I'm just like this is weird and cute okay. at the same time so
2: we were always referring to Donnie as baby ox for the rest
1: of the right, yeah. because <laughs> that was just the, the best
2: thing she could call him I know
1: Yeah, I mean, it was weird, because, like, Helena was set up as the main villain in the first season, because she was killing off the clones, and then it's, like, complete reformation of her character in the second season, and then you get the background, finally, in the fifth season, where you see how she was abused so totally when she was younger. So, you know, you, you get a lot of that. And it also explained to me why she looks the way she does because, you know, it was always weird to me that she was, had those red splotches everywhere and that's because they poured bleach all over
3: her. Yeah. Oh,
2: they dunked her head in the bleach. Yeah, she had had Chemical burns all over
3: her. Yeah. I think it was the season two, episode one. I could be wrong, but I think that was that. But for if I were to list the most chilling scenes for me in, like, all the TV I've ever watched, top ten would be, somewhere in the, my top ten list would be the scene where Helena shows up sarah is handcuffed into in the bathroom in the shower and Mm -hmm. helena shows up she's killed the guy who has handcuffed sarah and this is right after sarah had just left helena for dead by the way never leave helena for dead she's not dead (laughs) um (laughs) exactly and helena just walks in in this bloody red dress with a knife into the bathroom and sarah's just like screaming her head off and that was yeah that's my that makes my list easy Mm.
2: because she was the panic on her face and her voice i have never seen an actress deliver that level of panic in anything i I, oh my gosh
1: yeah
2: wonderful acting
1: as basically the tatiana maslany showcase that orphan black is i mean it really does prove i know i was saying it earlier but i mean like it really does prove just how great of an actress. because it's a one woman show in many ways (laughs) that she carries for 50 episodes of television there are other characters, but I mean, she is so much of the screen time that she is carrying her all herself, so it's it's really impressive.
2: And you don't think of it as her playing a bunch of different people, you think of, you think of it as the person playing Allison, the person playing Beth, yeah. the person playing uh, Sarah. Uh, they become distinct, individual people, and you forget that this is all the same person.
1: Right, yeah, because that's the comment that I made to you, like, after the first season, it's like, you know, I have to remind myself that this is the same person playing all these Especially roles.
2: Especially when it's Helena, because oh
0: my god... <laughs> <laughs> or when the clones are playing other clones, I mean, it's oh.
2: just oh yeah,
4: <laughs> well, Cloneception, that's, that's,
2: yeah. That's that's like acting on a different level because not only are you are you are you acting as an individual, you're acting as an individual, acting as a different individual. Yes.
1: I will say I thought it did sometimes get a little lazier towards the end, but like in the beginning when it's why did I just lose her name? The main one, Sarah. 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 Sarah thank you. I keep wanting to call her Beth, but that's a whole <laughs> other thing. It's a whole other thing. But anyway. So yeah, I mean, it even starts off with Sarah playing Beth and all that, but we don't know Beth as a distinct character, so that doesn't really count. But when Sarah's going undercover as Kazuma to get into Dyad, that, to me, was so perfectly well done, because she's doing a good job, but at the same time, you can tell that these are Sarah-isms that she's then trying to pull off as you know to say like she's Kazuma and it's just it, that that two level that double level was really excellent
2: and the first one they really did was when Allison was pretending to be Sarah for the benefit of the daughter whose name escapes me at the moment
1: oh and, right yes and she had
2: to learn she had to do like a, a reverse I'm forgetting everything my
3: words are just completely broken I'm gonna do <laughs> <laughs> I mean no actually the the very first one is still Sarah pretending to be Beth and and that's right. worth noting the series begins because she's a con woman she's she sees an opportunity to get some money cuz she needs some money cuz she's into some bad people and right. by assuming the life of someone who she thinks just looks a lot like her
1: mm-hmm.
4: and
3: that's how it all goes from there right right
1: but since you're seeing the show through sarah's eyes in that first season it's very much from her point of view yes you don't know how beth would behave in that instance you don't see how she's really unless she watches a few home videos that beth has so you get a little you bit get, like, of how she picks up patterns. the accent and, yeah. and everything else but okay so for my clone i am going to avoid the obvious one that we still haven't talked about and go with hk who or mk is MK MK. mk mk sorry mk MK is Finnish. She escaped a previous attempt to purge some of the clones, and so she has gone into hiding and even when she communicates with people on the internet, she wears a mask, like a like a sheep, I think it is. And so uh, people can't see her face. So HK became very important in the last two seasons. MK MK. I don't know <laughs> <about> <laughs> HK? I don't know.
0: You're probably thinking of the evil HD. robot from
1: Star Wars. I'm think I I know that I've heard those initials at some point, but anyway, MK uh, is very important in the in the final two seasons. But yeah, she comes off as skittish, but uh, it's very understandable given her background, and she's also very ha- uh, helpful because every show needs the hacker who can do
3: anything, so <laughs> she fills that role. So <laughs> I will give them credit for not just going the, the typical. If you're competent in one science, you can do all of them. Like, right. Kasima, the hacker, as well as the biologist.
1: Would you be talking about maybe Felicity? <laughs> <laughs> well, the forensics biotropic? expert, yeah. slash, <laughs> IT person, <laughs> slash, <laughs> physicist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so, anyway. All right, so Beth, I think that there's only one more that we haven't really talked about.
2: There was one clone that showed up for exactly one episode oh, okay. that we were get, about. Oh, okay, I
1: don't think we were going to get to that nitpicky, but okay, I was talking <laughs> about the main ones that showed up in multiple episodes. Well, I just,
2: I'm drawing a blank, I'm sorry, but the one I was thinking of, I can't remember the name, but... Talking about Tony? Yeah, Tony. Tony, she was trans male.
3: Yeah. That one got a little weird because Tony and Felix shared a kiss. And yeah. I was just kind of
1: eh <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah no I mean well I mean I guess we have kind of talked about her even though nobody picked her as the as their clone with Sarah Sarah's the one we haven't talked about in the whole sense well snap she is the beginning of the series she did impersonate Beth she has a child which kind of got mentioned just when you were talking about Allison pretending to be her and that actually becomes a plot point because we find out that most of the clones are intentionally infertile but all be- of them Well, no, because also Helena.
2: All right, never mind. (laughs) Because they're 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 actually like legit twins, right? Born from the same mother. They're the only ones,
1: Uh, right? But yes, because yeah, so they were a quote unquote mistake. But yes, because Sarah was able to was able to have a child. So a lot of the trying to get money is because she's trying desperately to get her child back because it's actually her foster mother, Sarah's foster mother, that is taking care of Sarah's daughter now. And because she's so unhappy with Sarah's life choices that she is, even in the beginning, resistant to even allowing Sarah to visit her. So there's that level and that difficulty. And because we kind of come in through Sarah's point of view, so we have Mrs. S, which is her foster mother, and we have Felix, who is her foster brother, as main characters from the very beginning. We also have Vic, her uh, uh, ex-boyfriend <laughs> <laughs> her recently ex-boyfriend at the start of the show because she hit him and stole his cocaine so <laughs> that's how the show starts so anyway because that was her original plan was to sell the coke and use that money to try and get her and kira away somewhere but once she discovers that beth has some money in her bank account it's like oh this is a better plan until she finds out that Beth is a cop and that she's in the in the middle of all kinds of uncomfortable things. You're at an investigation for cheating she shot someone. someone. Yeah. yeah, so it's yeah, that's problematic. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so so there's a lot of intrigue in this show. Yeah. Because a lot of the show, and I don't want to get into all the ins and outs of it, but it's about them figuring out why they are clones and why, what is going on with their lives and what the purpose of it all was and, and all of that. So it's that kind of a show. And
3: just open it up here. Thoughts overall on the show? I agree with you. Yeah, it's, it's, you've got this kind of in, it's the science, science intrigue show conspiracy but mm-hmm. also it kind of delved into the nurture versus nature argument
1: but did it though did it though because this is one yes. of my problems with the show is that it basically said it is 100% nurture
3: no, it said nothing of the sort.
1: Cosima is raised in San Francisco, so she's gay. But you know, most of the other I don't ones think aren't no, gay.
3: Cosima,
1: uh, uh. uh, you know, Allison was raised <laughs> by an uptight mother, so she becomes uptight. You know, it's all nurture. Nerd- I mean, that's one of my problems with this. I'm like, you know, our sort of modern thinking about genetics and what it play, you know, how much of a role it plays. You know, is is this show isn't following any of that? It's basically saying how you're raised will completely determine your personality.
0: Yeah, I disagree. I think that's part of the reason that you have some of Allison's storylines. The, the, some, some of the characteristics are shared across all of the clones. They're all tenacious. They're all kind of risk-takers. <laughs> they're, they're all uh, impetuous to some degree. Ambitious. Um, yeah, ambitious. I think uh, they're morally questionable. Morally flexible, maybe, is a better but I, you know as as different as they all are i think that they do share characteristics and yeah. that's part of the examination
1: i don't know i i i mean because like crystal is none of those things You know, <laughs> I mean, that's not true like... at all
0: she was just a conspiracy theorist but she was very tenacious about getting to the bottom of that cosmetics industry and she's <laughs>
1: not
3: ambitious she's not she was willing to take she was brave she infiltrated the you know the big evil company that she thought was killing people (laughs) right there even even rachel with i don't think there was a singular truly evil clone rachel again you can make the argument that rachel was nurtured to be evil but in the end her nature went out and she did the right thing helena her nurture she was nurtured to kill the other clones but in the end her nature went out hmm I don't know.
1: I mean, I think thinking of things as good and evil is a little black and white. Well, I, especially for the, the the meaning of this show, because I would say argue that in real life nobody's 100 percent good or evil anyway. No, of course so.
3: not. But <laughs> I think I think looking at nature versus nurture is also kind of black and white. It's not and it's not binary per se. It's a spectrum, and every characteristic, every personality trait is going to be somewhere along that, and uh, in, in ways we're not 100 percent sure of. And that doesn't even factor in epigenetics, which would also most certainly be a factor here as well.
1: Sure well but I think it's important to note that a lot of the things that you're mentioning though come up in the later seasons and I I think it's a reaction to uh, people were probably mentioned or complaining that this show because in the very early seasons it's very much like you know these people are so totally different and it just happens to be how they were raised like completely (gasps) determines who they are and I agree in the later (sighs) seasons they did try and sort of gray it out a little bit
3: yeah, see, I never got that vibe at all. When I was watching, going through I was watching it, I, one, just kind of a quick side tangent, they're great on the science. I mean, they oversimplify it in a lot of ways, and like every show does, they make it a lot faster than it really is. But they're, they're really good on science as far as these shows go. But I never got the impression that they ever once said it was all about nurture.
1: No, they never said that. But because there was no, there was, they were so different, and it all had to do with how they were raised. I mean, if you look at their parents and everything else, you know that determined who they were as people.
3: We, We we know this. Twin studies have shown this. We know this to be true. I mean, there are studies of twins raised in separate households who are genetically identical who have different, you know, characteristics. This is a real world known fact phenomenon.
1: Well, I mean, I'll have to read those studies because everything I've ever heard is the exact opposite. That twins raised in different places. I had a boss who used to talk about this all the time that okay. like they they ended up turning out exactly the same even though they were raised differently and everything and that was his argument that genetics were, you know, primary to everything else in life, but anyway, they're,
3: they're the foundation. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But yeah, I felt like there should be more of a mix than what they were showing and there should be more. I mean, substance abuse seemed to be the thing that they started showing that they all kind of had a substance abuse problem to some degree or other. And that's the thing that I thought that in the laser seasons they were trying to show is that that kind of generalized to all of them as well. But yeah, I don't know. I, I felt like it was not very good on the science, as far as that was concerned.
3: Agree to disagree. <laughs> okay.
1: I mean, I don't. I mean, as far as like true science, I don't recall them talking a whole lot about true science anyway. It was very much kind of in generalities. It,
3: whenever, like in the early couple seasons, um, with Kusama and Delphine, mm. when they would be, you know, before Delphine was revealed to be working for the conspiracy, I can't remember which one it was at that point in time. <laughs> dyad probably
1: (laughs) well no i mean delphine i we knew like three episodes because they showed her with leaky that she was Cosmas handler they showed that pretty early
3: well i guess by we i mean the good guys
1: oh yeah, yeah yeah they didn't know yeah they didn't know until the end of the first season i think somewhere around that line anyway speaking of delphine because she's one i haven't mentioned yet i think the best version of delphine was the third season delphine who was the bond villain (laughs) I really was kind of disappointed when they changed things up again because and that was one of the problems of the show. With the 10-episode seasons, they never really allowed concepts to really like flourish, I felt. And uh, it always felt like every season was like a soft reboot. And I kind of liked the version of Delphine who was the sort of like, yes, I care, but at the same time, I'm going to be manipulative and controlling and everything else. I thought that that was a lot of fun.
3: Maybe it was a matter of just giving Cosima a break. Wasn't that also when she was the sickest? No, that was after she went into the magical
1: remission. Ah. (laughs) It was still Rachel as the one in charge of Dyad when she was her sickest in the second season. Alright, so let's talk about Mrs. S a little bit. (laughs) Because that's another character that I really like. Yeah. Do you want to talk about Mrs. S. Beth?
2: Don't ever mess with Mrs. S.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's an Irish revenge thing comes up, you know, quite a few times.
2: Yeah. So she's the fierce mother and uh she, I think she she kind of adopts like everybody. Because yeah. they by extension are basically Sarah's sisters. So she takes them all under her wing. Something bad happens to them, she, she go she go, wants to go out and fix it. Mm-hmm. And it usually involves a shotgun in her hands.
1: Yeah, well, we find out her husband had died and they had wanted to have children. And so I think, and so she had that sort of instinct of she wanted a child and so she does. She takes in people and she mothers them.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and then we find out that the original was her own mother. Right. The genetic line. So they they are technically her siblings, (laughs) maybe-ish.
1: Yeah, I mean that part's a little weird, and I and I totally get why Felix was kind of annoyed by that revelation because <laughs> it's like, oh, so you, Sarah, you're actually related, you know? It's like, but yeah, no, I mean, yeah. So there's that aspect to it, but I mean, she was she she didn't know that when she took Sarah in, and I think that that's genuine, just wanting to mother her and to take care of her, and and she and she gets annoyed and she gets angry when Sarah's you know ruining her life, and she definitely does tough love. <laughs> but she's a really fun character. We also have Kira, is the daughter who has the uh, the mutant healing factor like Wolverine. <laughs> yeah which they forget about for like two seasons
2: (laughs) it also has like a a bit of esp thrown in but only oh right
1: yes yeah they don't forget about the esp but yeah it's like uh, they establish that she heals really fast in the first season and no one brings that up for the second or third season and suddenly it becomes really important in the fourth season so because i kept on going like didn't kira have a healing factor or something you know
0: (laughs) it was suspected right or like sarah didn't really know
1: Oh, yeah, Sarah doesn't know, but I mean, based on how the show goes, you would think that the people pulling the strings, uh, you know, uh, would have been a lot more keenly interested in Kira earlier on.
3: I mean, I there were several loose ends that were dropped, and they tried to tighten up later. Yeah, I mean, the moment Kira pretty much got up and walked away from being hit by a car, you knew that's, that needs to come back up later. Mm-hmm. You'll have to refresh my memory, but did they ever, Kira's father, did they ever wrap up? What his deal was?
1: No, no. In fact, that's... (laughs) So I was going to ask people, like, who they preferred, Paul or Cal, but... But yeah, I mean, Cal um, was the father. Uh, we, he he shows up. He has a mysterious and sinister past that you know uh, is referenced several times. He knows things that he shouldn't know. And then when Paul does confront Cal, the one scene they had together, he says, "Sarah wouldn't like to know, you know, about you know your past, you know." And and you know, Cal looks worried. And uh, but yeah, we never get any of that because he left the show. So suddenly, yeah, he got a kind job of with
0: HBO.
1: Yeah. Right? Yes, he got he, <laughs> he got didn't another job. About that one <laughs> <laughs> right. so yeah we never got any uh the, the whole Cal subplot got dropped completely and other than kira mentioning every once in a while like mom when are you gonna talk to dad or whatever you know i mean that's that's all we got from that after that so but that was a missed opportunity i think because i i was really curious like what's up with cal you know i mean what is this but yeah paul was uh beth's boyfriend who was supposed to be her handler and so, uh, when Sarah assumes Beth's life, they start a relationship, him not knowing at first that it was someone different, which is a little weird when you think about it.
3: <laughs> well, but th- then that's how this show works. I mean, in season one, yeah. Paul is nothing more than Beth's handler, who is actually Sarah. But then later on, as we find out, no, actually Paul is a, what, a sleeper agent for a uh, Lido and right. who is like undercover trying to infiltrate Dyad or something like that. And it, yeah, it gets, <laughs> I, it, it's the way of, I guess, like you said, trying to do a reboot every season with the mm-hmm. show, but at least Paul got an ending.
1: Oh. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that was good. And I, I liked how really in season, cause I missed all the Beth. you know, cause after season one, they dropped Beth. I mean, like they might mention once or twice that Beth, you know, Sarah had been pretending to be Beth or something like that. But until the fourth season, they like just barely mentioned the whole Beth part of things. And I really missed that because I liked that aspect of Sarah being the fish out of water. And I liked sort of the intrigue and mystery of that portion. And I'm glad that with flashbacks in the fourth and fifth seasons, they kind of brought Beth back. And we got to see Beth herself. And I I really appreciated that.
3: I think that also touches on a character that they didn't know what to do with after the first season. And that was art
1: art. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Best Beth, police
1: part. I will say the one thing I didn't like about the flashbacks was the Beth and art sleeping together part. Cause I felt like that was unnecessary. And the only thing that it explained to me is like art. When Paul came in in one of the episodes in the first season, art got really mad and was like, I thought you were leaving him. And I mean, I guess that gives kind of a reason for why he was so mad about Paul, but mm, I don't know. I just felt kind of wrong to me. It's her partner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just didn't feel it was necessary. I thought that, that was just kind of gratuitous, but whatever. I actually like, I like art's relationship
3: with uh, Helena more than his yeah.
1: <laughs> relationship. <laughs> no, everyone's relationship with Helena is great. <laughs> yes. Donnie's relationship with Helena is great. Felix's relationship with Elena <laughs> is great. Although I do like uh, Crystal and Felix also, where he's the truth whisperer or the whatever truth she, voice. yeah, the truth voice. Or whatever. It's like now Crystal, you know, everything I say is the truth, <laughs> and, uh, and she'll believe it. She won't believe anyone else. <laughs>
2: because I'm using
1: my truth voice. <laughs> right? Felix, she'll, she'll when Felix tells her something, she's like, okay. Although, I will say, the best, one of the funniest parts is, like, whenever anyone is exposed to the truth about the clones, there's so many instances of people, like, not believing it, even when they see them side by side.
2: Allison's mom.
1: Allison's mom, who's like, oh who's like, you can't be her clone, you know? She's obviously Mulatto, talking about <laughs> Cosmo, <laughs> <laughs> It's because her hair is, you know, uh, in, dreads. in dreads. And then there's Crystal. When confronted with Sarah, she's like, oh, "You buy that whole coil clone, clone crap." I'm like a ten, and you're obviously like a f- six or, oh, no, a three. or was it a three? a three? Oh, okay, yeah, I can't remember what number she threw out, but it's like,
2: oh, that stuck with me. Yeah, okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do love those reactions from people.
3: You know, that's kind of one of the again one of the kind of the brilliant things they did with the show. I mean, by the end, they'd brought them all together, but in the early seasons, each clone had their own separate life with their own separate sidekick. Mm -hmm. Sarah had Art, and Cosima had her lab partner guy whose name escapes me. Scott! 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 There you go, exactly. And of course, Allison had Donnie, and yeah, everyone had someone who they could tell an entirely non-clone club-related story with. Which was
1: great. Okay, so the fact that Scott taught Rachel Settlers of Catan <laughs> is hilarious. Yeah, because <laughs> that was their way of showing like that they were you know like they were pretending you know that she was teaching him the code while they were pretending to play Settlers of Catan. I just think that that's I just think that's funny. But anyway, this show had so many great characters, and I love the fact that, like, Scott buddies at the comic shop would, like, you know, hide them, and they would come into Dyad to role play, and, you know, all this stuff. And I always felt bad for Scott, though, because he... There was some hint, maybe, that Crystal's friend and him kind of hooked up later, but it always seemed like Scott got no love. (laughs) We talked about Caster, but didn't really explain what that is. Caster is the male clone set that we don't find about until the end of the second season. Uh, And that actor also does a really good job, whose name I didn't bother to look up, which is bad on me. Uh, (laughs) He doesn't play as many variations as Tatiana, but he still plays quite a few.
3: Yeah. It's Ari something. Ari or Ari something. I can't Mm. remember his last name. Ari Millen, I believe. That that sounds right. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, he plays Mark who is
1: uh, another one of the... He's an infiltrator. Then there's a sort of psychotic one whose name escapes me at the moment.
0: I mean, I almost think he has a harder job because the Lita clones have a respiratory illness that kind of affects... Seems to affect all of them eventually. But the Castor clones just go nuts. And so... Like, how... Differentiating different nutty caster clones when they're all kind of going insane the same way i think it seems like a harder job in some ways
4: Mm. keeping them
0: separated yeah
1: yeah no i I agree with that and then he's um was ira is the very nice one he was the only one of the caster clones that wasn't raised in the military and so he has that variation as well that he gets to play with the Um, cougar Okay, yeah, I wasn't going to go there, but <laughs> Ugh,
3: yeah, that, that was... That creeps me out so much. Was, oh, God. I'm sorry, everyone. Only if she raised him, then it then it's weird, yeah. Well, yeah, no, she, she said
1: she didn't meet him until he was already in college, so... <laughs> it's a yeah. little better. Right. No, not really. <laughs> She's like 80! Okay, Beth, that's okay. No, uh, it's not. <laughs> what's the name of the guy who played Galavan on Gotham? His name escapes me as well.
3: Yeah, don't watch it.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, he was Rachel's lover for a good while. Oh, 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 uh, Fran. Fran uh,
3: something Ferdinand, like Fran. Michael Frank. Ferdinand, Ferdinand, thank you, yes. He's also Sarah on Discovery.
1: Right, yes. But he's the other kind of main player that I don't think we've talked about yet that's in you know, quite a few of the seasons. He's kind of a sadistic...
0: He was on True Blood, too, was
1: he not? Yeah. He, he's been a villain in a bunch of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> he was in the cape. He's the, uh, what do they call it? The uh, He's like the one who comes and handles situations and Dyad. Uh, he yeah. makes the problems go away kind of thing. The cleanup crew. Yeah, the cleanup crew, and yeah. the cleaner, yeah, yeah, yeah. The cleaner, yeah. So, and he has a relationship with Rachel, <laughs> and so uh, there's that um, side of things. But I think he plays villain really well. In uh, everything that I've seen him in where he's a villain, he really comes off as a truly sadistic and nasty person.
0: Yeah, the scene at the, at, in the last season with MK where he finally finished off Helsinki basically was really uh, affecting. I thought it was kind of terrifying. And
1: well, it's even more horrible when they have, like, Kira felt it. Yeah. Yeah, so that was a really nasty thing that happened there. So, uh, we're gonna. We're, we've already done spoilers. We're gonna get into deep spoilers now. <laughs> Deeper than what we've done? <laughs> yes. Yes. So, if uh, you haven't seen Orphan Black and if you want some secrets to stay in for you, especially regarding the last season, then uh, you might want to just skip to the ending song now. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. So, we find out at the end of everything that. The guy behind uh, all of it is basically a a con man who's convinced everyone that he's actually this guy that's from the 1800s and he's just lived a really long time. But all of this is all about him just trying to keep from death's door for as long as he can. And and the whole experiment, all of it, was just about prolonging his life. I was incredibly underwhelmed by this revelation, and I just wanted your take. Angie, why don't you go first? on that aspect of it.
0: I thought it was if this was real life, I think that would be underwhelming or anticlimactic, uh, but as the show is framed, I thought it was kind of fitting. I mean, there's always been this kind of hint of maybe something supernatural or incredible otherworldly going on, and but at the end of the day, the show started with a con, a con, and it ended with a con. Mm. And I thought it was fairly fitting. So yeah, I did. I I was fine with the ending.
3: Right. That's interesting. I never really thought about how it was bookended like that. But see, I I think I didn't have a problem with it because that's not how it began. It began, what, 30 years ago. The guy wasn't dying then. He was used by, uh, I can't even, he he was set up, you know, to to lead the Neos or whatever they were called. All the names are escaping me right now. And so (laughs) Neolution. Neolution, yes, exactly. And then, yeah, you know, by the end of it, yeah, he had a, uh, he, basically when you set up that big a con, when you've set this guy up as pretending to be who he is, you can't take him down. He's too powerful. So then once they set him up to be the guy in charge, he was the guy in charge except
1: only two people knew who he really was there was no they set him up he it was his plan he was the one who came up with it and it was only uh the two female scientists uh the one that ran yeah whose name yeah cody and and yeah rachel's um, mom rachel's mom yes <laughs> um <laughs> who who actually knew who that he really wasn't the founder of neolution from the 1800s so i mean this was all him so i mean and that's part of my problem
3: It was these two
1: scientists. It wasn't him. It was them. Well, no, because, I mean, it was always his plan. I mean, that's the thing. That's what they find out, is that he was the one who gathered those two. So he's the one who recruited them. And that's the issue I have with it, is that it doesn't make sense. Because, like you said, 30 years ago... He wasn't dying. So why did he do that? Because originally I thought that, okay, if you're cloning people, because they kept saying we have a baseline, we have a baseline. So I'm thinking you're going to do some sort of like drug experiments or something and you want to be able to have perfectly identical genetic people to do whatever experiments on so that you can see the true effects of this thing with a control group and with a non-control group. But they never do any of that kind of stuff. So to me, that as the explanation for what it was all for, never, I mean, it didn't sit right with me. There was never a really good explanation for what they were trying to accomplish.
0: Well, it started out as a, like, a eugenics. They started out with the con that he was P.T. Westmoreland to kind of give him this air, uh, to basically say, like, I've discovered this scientific breakthrough that lets me live for a hundred years and longer, give me money wealthy people that I am conning right um and so they were kind of conning for cash to continue their research but until he started to actually die they weren't as obsessed with immortality It was mostly just a eugenics program.
1: But if you're creating identical copies of somebody, how is that eugenics?
0: Well, it started before we'd mapped the genome, so I'm assuming, I don't know.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because, I mean, if it's eugenics, you want to, like, determine what traits are advantageous and, like, splice those together. Not have one person's genetics, you know, expressed, you know, millions of times, you know, or however many hundreds of times. Over, I mean, that doesn't really give you anything eugenically.
3: It kind of depends. You also have to remember, they split, well, who knows how many side projects they had going. All we know about is Castor and Lita. And they split those in half, and clearly.
1: And the good old symbiotes that were in some people.
3: <laughs> well, okay, there you go. This. Well, I mean, they were clearly trying to perfect soldiers that they could sell to the military, or a military. I mean, we haven't even talked about the fact that we're still not 100% sure where the hell this all took place.
1: No, 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 no! In the last season, they did establish it was Canada because they knew that it was the last season, so they didn't feel like they were in danger of losing viewers anymore. So yes, and like I think it's like the next to last episode, they established that it is Canada. It's
3: Toronto, you know? right? Exactly. It's the anyways, yeah,
1: because <laughs> I paid attention to it because we had already had our discussion on Facebook, <laughs> and so and I, I was like, ah, they established it finally.
3: Well, and the fact that they had good mass transit told me all I needed to know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Point.
3: Going back to my point, though, is on on the male side, on the caster side, clearly they were trying to develop a a completely loyal super soldier type program, and that's fine. That's your, that's a money maker right there. You, get, you know, who knows how much government money that way. On the Lita side, I remember they talked about what the whole goal there was, but I'm kind of blanking on a little on it a little bit. But the fact that it was being run by two sides by Cody for Caster and by rachel's mom for uh, what was her name oh it, Dun- it, duncan susan duncan
1: Susan duncan. yeah
3: oh she, i got yeah, a I name think right yes, yes. yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for lita yeah and that was just that was more looking at the genome that was more genetic side they were more concerned about you know yeah tweaking this trying to find the cure for the healing factor cure a super healing factor Going back to Siobhan's Mrs. S. But but here's my thing though. If you're
1: making identical copies, how are you? How how is that doing anything to help you find? I mean, it's pure happenstance because first of all, they didn't design them to have children. Right. So it's pure happenstance that luckily Sarah ended up having a kid with the one
3: mutation that they
1: need, yeah. Right. With the one mutation had the one <laughs> mutation that like was exactly what they were looking for. So again, it just seemed like yeah. this is all like really random and not what they were planning for at all, but yet they say when they have Kira, this is what we've been trying to achieve. And I'm like, well, wh- how would how these steps, you know, ever, you know, uh, I don't know. Uh, how did that I lead think, to that? I
2: think they said that they were trying to get that, that trait in the clones, but it didn't work. It backfired somehow. Like the potential was with the, was in the original, but when they split it, it went away. And then it became like, it skipped a generation, so to speak, and came in Kira.
3: And isn't that what caused the sickness?
2: The disease has something to do with the infertility.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I think that's... I don't remember if this was speculation or it actually was verified in the show, but the fact that Sarah and Helena were actual twins meant that they weren't exposed to something or th- essentially they they weren't getting sick like the other ones were. It's something about the fact that there were two of them and all of the others were single births.
1: Yeah, because I mean, even though they were going to weaponize it, the, the Caster infertility was then th- the fact that when they had sex with a woman, they made her infertile. So that seems to be part of just how they designed Caster to be infertile rather than an actual weapon. It was just they were going to weaponize it. So yeah, it was those think those things that that was all supposed to be just related to the infertility
3: i I guess that's one way to defeat an enemy just you know make sure they can't reproduce right but yeah
1: so so yeah i mean i still feel like even though we watched the whole show there's still a lot of unknowns (laughs) which to me i kind of did want at the end for everything to kind of be explained because it is sort of a a mystery show like that you know it is an intrigue kind of show I, I was trying to put everything together in the early seasons and then it seemed <laughs> like they kept switching gears
3: what what you never find out is that Cura's mutation actually came from cal <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't Aww, that be no. hilarious <laughs> <laughs> well well the funny thing
1: is they hinted in the first season that both sarah and helena had fast healing too but then they completely dropped that. They never referenced that again. Cause even like with Helena and the way that she gets hurt so badly and she recovers, you know, and there was something, I forget what happened to Sarah, but there was a point when they said that Sarah healed really fast also, but then they, they, they dropped that. I guess whenever they decided they wanted Kira to be unique, but that's what I thought. I thought Sarah had the, the, the healing and Helena had it, of course, cause she was her twin and that she had passed it down to Kira, but that doesn't come out at all from how the show ended.
3: I guess, actually, in a way, to go back to the Justice League conversation, this show just goes to show how, when you like the characters, you're willing to overlook so much.
1: Yeah, and that's the main thing. I mean, because, yeah, I mean, I do. I mean, like you said, they didn't know what to do with art, but I love art. (laughs) Yeah. You know, he's a great character. I really like his no-nonsense, you know, way of doing things. Oh, another concept that they never, like, seemed to know what to do with, and thankfully just eventually dropped it, was the, um crap i'm forgetting everything today <laughs> just so people know i wanted to talk about this like three months ago and it's been that long so i'm forgetting i i thought i remembered more than i did the group that hates science
3: the oh the fish people did you kill the fish people helena <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the, what, yeah. were,
1: what were they called angie
0: the Prolethians.
1: the Prolethians. thank you you because in the beginning it's like they're very much like a archaic dark ages kind of cult and they just hate all science and so they're going to kill the clones because they're part of science and then in the second season it's like now we have like the amish version of the Prolethians, who they're okay with some science but just not all science and they want to use the clones somehow although they never explain how they're going to produce children through helena but they don't explain how that furthers their goals at all and, and you they know only
2: reproduce w- with artificial insemination
1: apparently. right so yeah. there's there's that whole weirdness, and then they just kind of dropped the Proliotheians because yeah. I don't think they really worked, and thankfully they the showrunners realized they didn't work, and they just kind of got rid their of them, down. right. but it did always bother me because he was always like, "Oh, you know, it's a sign, you know, Helena, we gotta have a child through Helena, and it's like, but what does that do exactly? How is this child going to be beneficial to you? <laughs> In any way, and it's like they never explained that.
3: maybe if they they could have tied it back to Kira's healing factor, if they'd known about that, it would have made sense. right. Well,
0: with the Prolethians, I thought it wasn't the clones. it was the fact that Sarah and Helena weren't sterile, and they viewed that as a miracle from God. Like God basically made it so these sterile creations could reproduce. Mm. and then it kind of just fell into some cult tropes from there. Right. But very specifically, I I think it was just that they were supposed to be sterile and weren't. And that was an example of God triumphing over this Neolutionist science.
2: Weren't they also going crazy over Helena because, like, all of her organs were on the opposite side of her body? Or am I making that up?
3: No, they were. That's how she
2: survived. That's how she survived the gunshot. I I know she was mirrored, but was that part Uh, of why they were, like.
1: I know. I don't remember that coming up. I don't remember that coming up, but. uh, yeah, and then there was the weirdness of the dude, like, putting the one embryo in his daughter, too. Ugh.
3: Which was... Is it? Yeah. I
2: don't think Weird he had both trips. doors in the water.
3: Yeah. Was that before or after he sewed her mouth shut? After. After. Yeah, yeah. He was a good guy, that fella. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, thankfully they dropped the uh, Prolethians because, uh, well, then there was also, uh, you guys probably don't remember, but there were several instances in the series where it felt like they cut, like, an important scene because suddenly we jump somewhere where, like, a character knows something that they we never saw them find out or they're at a location that we never saw them get to because suddenly, like, art, like, is just at the Prolethean camp, you know, at the farm. Like and I was always like, How do you know where that is, Art? You know, I feel like there must have been like a scene cut or something because He's a detective. Yeah, I mean he's a detective, <laughs> sure, but I mean He's a detective. I doubt they list themselves yeah. as Prolethian Cult Farm in the in the directory. <laughs> yeah, the so exists, yeah. <laughs> Maybe they do. Who knows? They're uh, Canadian, <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so sorry about that. was <laughs> well, the thing, you know. Not a, you know, you know. We're always taught in this country how uh, other countries, you know, don't have guns and everything. And it's like, for for this show being set in Canada, there's a lot of guns in Canada. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of shooting going on in this show too. Which is one of the reasons why I thought it did take place in the States.
3: Okay, but if you want to talk about shooting, arguably still my second favorite scene in the entire movie is when Donnie accidentally kills Leaky. (laughs) Uh Oh! (laughs) I quit! Boom! (laughs) That, it's on. so
1: unexpected, too, because it's just—he's just talking to him, yeah. <laughs> just... and the
3: gun goes off, you know? <laughs> and the look on his face, you know. And that's what the show did. And no one was expecting that. I guarantee you, no one was expecting that.
1: It was sad to me, because I love Matt Frewer, and, okay. uh, you know, I, I I was hoping that he would just sort of, like, be, like, maybe, like, cast off, but, like, maybe we might see him in a later season or something, and... Oh, but they no, kept
2: well, him around.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, that corpse <laughs> comes up several times, and we do get one flashback where he, you know, where they show him when he was alive, but... Yeah, the number of times they have to, like, dig up that hole in their garage... <laughs> But see, that's when I liked Allison and Donnie the, the best.
0: Donnie has amazing, just amazing timing. The, the yeah. scene where Allison tells him to go rent to Jackhammer and he makes the comment that he, they should probably just buy one at this point.
1: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that point when he comes clean to her and she realizes that he's not her handler or that he was her handler, yeah. but he wasn't aware of what that really meant. And when they bury the body together and do all of that, that's when I liked them the best. I felt like, but then of course the show having to continue, you know, and he even like when Vic snooping around, how he like is basically like, you do not, you know, like come in on my family. You know, he stands up to Vic, he holds him at gunpoint and everything. That's like that's what I really liked them, but since the show had to keep going, they like kept messing around with them after that, and I never really liked them as much as I liked them at that. It was almost like their story could have ended right there, you know, and, and I would have been fine with it.
3: That Allison was a weird, weird one because that was also, I'm pretty sure, after she killed her best friend, yeah, uh, after sleeping with her best <laughs> friend's <laughs> husband.
0: <Yes. laughs> yeah, I mean. I, yeah, that was they, they confessed They confessed it to each other that she hadn't saved Ainsley and he'd accidentally killed Leaky.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> it was a bonding experience. Yes, there you go, yeah. brought them together. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I, I. But I. Have, I always kind of assumed that if there was ever any sort of glitching in the the Lita clones, that Allison was symptomatic of that.
1: Yeah, because because my main problem, you know, in the third season, I liked it when it started off with her running for like the school board, oh, yeah. whatever thing. <laughs> And even when she was buying the dude's drug business, I thought, oh, she's going to use this as blackmail. She's going to use his books and figure out who was, like, buying from him and blackmail them into voting. But then when she started selling, I was like, this makes no sense for someone who family was, like, the primary thing in her life that she put above everything else to endanger them in that way. Which, of course, right away, they fall into all kinds of trouble with that, both (laughs) from the law and from the drug dealer, you know, the person, you know. And so it's just like, ugh ah, that that bothered me so much because it just felt like a move that she wouldn't have made with how she was established in the first two seasons. See,
3: I I didn't have any problem with it. I felt like, again, this is someone who let her best friend die, who did, (laughs) who is married to Donnie. No, it, it only seemed to but none of those
1: other things, none of those things endangered her family. I mean, letting her friend die did not endanger her family because she didn't do anything. I mean, she didn't save her, but she didn't actually, like, push her into the, you know, garbage disposal yeah. either. <laughs> so that didn't endanger her family in any way. So.
0: Drug addiction, probably. The alcoholism.
3: Yeah. Well, no, true, but I that's mean, something it, that is difficult again, to Again, it's the Canadian police. What? How much danger were they in? You
1: know. well <laughs> well pretty bad i mean this show kind of scares me about canada <laughs> what are you talking about i've always heard it's a nice place this is weapon x version canada from marvel yeah. comics with the sinister organizations and everything this is <laughs> this is not cool
3: but speaking of Allison's election, and speaking of clones pretending to be clones, Cosima pretending to be Allison and accidentally almost outing her as a lesbian is probably <laughs> my, my famous, <laughs> favorite, uh, clone-as-clone
4: performance.
1: <laughs> yeah. But then they forget, in the later two seasons, that Allison won that election, and suddenly it's like, that whole thing didn't matter.
3: Yeah. How, really, how difficult is it to be a school board member in Canada? I don't know. I'm sorry, Canada. No,
1: that's true. <laughs> that's true. Um, yeah. The, the, <laughs> the other thing that I wanted to talk about is that even though the show takes place over five years of our time, it's like the span of six months within the show itself. <laughs> and so you've got Kira, who starts out as this, like I don't know, five-year-old or whatever. She's like 10 by the end of the show, but it's only been like a few months of time. <laughs> so it it got really weird for me kind of with that i felt like there were a couple places where they could have jumped forward in time and i felt like they should have where they just kept on doubling down on this season begins where the other one ended and yeah i don't know you guys watching it naturally probably didn't get that feeling that that was weird yeah i could see that no
0: (laughs) i didn't (laughs)
1: Yeah, because it's like Kira is almost like a teenager now, and it's like remember when she was just like this cute little girl, you know? Yeah, it
2: was almost like the problems with Lazy Town.
1: <laughs> oh, don't bring up Lazy Town. I'm
2: sorry.
1: It's <laughs> yes, orphan black and Lazy Town; those are two things that go together. <laughs> anyway, you guys probably don't know what Lazy Town is, and we won't go there, but it's uh, <laughs> the children's program. But yeah, anyway.
3: Well, if the show had stayed on for any longer than um. Charlotte would have grown up and not looked at all like Tatiana.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I will say, yeah, the Charlotte actress, although there was a big gap where we didn't see her, because we see her at the end of season two, and then we don't see her again until season four. It, it, she didn't seem to to age that much to me, but that might have just been because I didn't hadn't just seen her. You know, there were quite a few episodes in between, so that might be why. She
2: also had a miraculous recovery with no intervention. Like, she was, like, coughing up blood in front of Rachel when she was on the island. Mm-hmm. Like, in prison, so to speak. And then the next season, she's fine.
0: I thought both of them had stem cell therapy at that point, though. I don't think it was supposed to be a miraculous.
1: Yeah, that wasn't the miraculous. The miraculous one for Cosima was the one at the end of season two, where she is literally dying on the bed. She sees like Delphine, you know. She sees this angelic vision of Delphine, and suddenly it's just like,
0: "Oh, I'm better." I thought she, I, I thought that was when yeah. she got the gene therapy, and then found out it was from Kira's. Uh...
3: Well, now I, it's coming back to me. It was Kira. They used Kira's stem cells for the first treatment, but then they used some of uh, Hela- the embryos from Helena's babies to cure Kasima.
1: Well, yeah, at the very end. Yeah. Because they they didn't have the babies at that early point. But yeah, I'm still talking about the one in season two. Because you're right, she did get some limited therapy. But this was after that because they had already pulled away from Dyad and hadn't gone back. And she's literally dying on the bed. So there was no therapy and hadn't been for a while. And then suddenly she's all better. That one always struck me as convenient. But, you know, it is what it is. But yeah, so just thoughts about Orphan Black as a whole, Beth, do you have anything you I'm curious
2: to say? I'm curious to know from you two guys, uh, <laughs> who is your favorite character among the the two? Art or Donnie? I'm
3: gonna Donnie. go with Donnie. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well how about you, Beth? Donnie. Yeah, Donnie for me. He too. had he
2: had such an amazing character arc. He went from like this bumbling putz into Baby Ox.
1: <laughs> I'm not sure Baby <laughs> Ox is a to... step up.
2: He, it is. And he just he just he just got so much better at Because I so think progressed.
1: he pro- I think he progressed beyond Baby Ox. I think yes. Baby Ox is referring to that bumbling boob and he became more than that.
3: Yeah. Well, again, I just they didn't really know what to do with the Art. I think they liked the actor, uh-huh. and they wanted to use him. It's just kind of they weren't sure how. Yeah. Well,
1: the, the other weird thing about Art is that in the first season, it seems like he's married. And later they say that he was divorced, but he said something about uh, when Sarah was Beth. He was like, my wife's going to be really grateful that you saved me or whatever. And it's like, I don't know. That just seemed like a bit changed premise. Because that was before we ever saw his apartment or anything. But it just seemed like something that they kind of... I think they were separated. They they retroactively said that they were divorced or separated or whatever. I'm like, but wait a minute. In the first season, he was like, my wife's so grateful that you saved me or something. I'm like, that Mm. doesn't seem, you know. "Eh, Well, well, whatever. (laughs) I suppose someone could be divorced from you and still grateful that you...
3: Well, I mean, did so he grateful have a son too? A daughter. 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 Okay. All right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So you know. Mm. So I guess since you asked Arter Donnie, I'm going to ask uh, Cal or Paul. Paul. Paul.
2: Cal, because I think he's a better father.
1: Yeah, I really liked Cal. I would have liked to have seen more of Cal.
3: Yeah, but did Paul even ever meet Kira? Did Paul ever meet Kira? I'm not.
0: I don't remember. I don't
3: remember either. That's he definitely knew
0: about her, but I don't know that they ever met.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, my reason isn't because of the the father side of things. I just, I just liked the that Cal was like this really brilliant guy, and he seemed like he'd be good for Sarah better than Paul. Yeah, because not, not Paul a father, had, had
2: too much like twisted up inside of him going on that it was just like th- this guy has just there's something dangerous about him and I would not want to be around someone like that.
1: Yeah. You know. Well, it, it, it hurts that when you first meet him, he's being incredibly deceptive. Although to be fair, Sarah was being very deceptive too. So I guess yeah. they were both being deceptive. <laughs> so. And that's the aspect. Maybe they are a good match. They were both pretending to be somebody
0: else. I find Paul to be a very tragic character. I mean, if we can take anything at face value, I think the fact that he said that it was Sarah that he had feelings for right before he died for her, I Mm -hmm. I feel like we can maybe take that at at his word, which just kind of makes everything that came before it kind of tragic.
1: Yeah. Well, and the thing is, much like, God, why do I keep forgetting everyone's name? Uh, The woman who was in charge of Castor.
0: Cody.
1: Much like Cody, he cared about Castor. But he was not willing to see Caster, like, utilized in the completely amoral way like she was. She cared about Caster and would do anything for Caster, but that involved using them in ways that would make them more valuable, necessarily, to, to people in the government, maybe, but was very amoral, so... I kind of like that. I kind of like that he did sort of have a, a sort of paternal aspect yeah. to that as well because he, he did care right? and I do believe that he did care about the, the caster clones.
3: And we don't know Cal's dark secrets. We never found them out. They could have been really, really dark. <laughs>
1: <True> <laughs> yeah. He seemed to know all about Dyad when Kira mentioned to him that that's what Sarah was doing because he was like, What is your mother doing? And she's like, Oh, there's these bad people. And he's like, Who is that? And she's like, Dyad. And he's like, Oh, Dyad. And it's like, So they almost hinted like he had been part of something at Dyad yeah. or had helped them in some way. Or... He's got
3: guns hidden in his trailer. I mean, there's.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's, Maybe yeah. he was
3: a Boy
2: Scout.
1: it wasn't a hunting rifle (laughs) no if it had been a hunting rifle i would have been yeah that would have been different but no it's the motto be prepared (laughs) (laughs) jeez
3: okay i have one for you okay delphine or scott
2: (laughs) in what way
0: well (laughs)
3: hey
2: with cosima
0: or just in general
3: you know that's up to you i guess i mean it doesn't have to be romantic but just as a partner i would much rather have scott because i can trust him he is a
1: stalwart ally he's a guy that you could you know you but yeah delphine plays all those secret games and i know it's best for you so just let me do what's best for you kind of crap i found that interesting to watch on television but i would not like that in a partner whether science or any other kind of partner
0: it's like at the end of the last season where they admitted uh, Cosima and Delphine admitted to each other that their relationship was crap, but they were just going to accept it and move forward, and I was like, "That's right. well, you should not do that
2: thing. <laughs> <laughs>
4: that's healthy, yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm going to go with Scott for the same reasons, and also if we ever get bored, I mean, D&D is going to happen, so that's also a bonus.
3: <laughs> How about you, Ryan? I would actually go with Delphine, because Cosima can teach her D&D, that's fine. Because <laughs> she's French? Well, there's that, but no, uh, <laughs> because when the back is to your, their back is to the wall in the life or death situation. I think Scott's gonna freeze. Hmm. Delphine, you know, she'll, you can maybe you can't completely trust her, but if you have got a common purpose together, she will do whatever ta- whatever is necessary
1: i don't know i think scott got kind of i mean i think yeah in the beginning scott was more that way but i think just having to deal with all this crap over the span of six or nine (laughs) months or whatever it ended up being i felt towards the end that scott had become a much more mature and stronger character that was, was he was braver in those kinds of situations although i can't remember off the top of my head one but I know people were holding them at gunpoint down in that secret lab and stuff,
3: and that he wasn't just like a coward about it. So yeah, he you know, amend. well, yeah, bravery comes in many forms, but you know.
0: Wasn't he the right. one that stabbed Rachel, or was it Sarah? I don't remember.
1: What in the eye? Sarah stabbed With Rachel pencil. in the yeah. eye. Yeah. yeah.
0: Was he supposed to do it? I can't remember. I thought
1: that he. Was- no, he he adjusted her medication so she was able to do it.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, so that she wasn't completely knocked out. Or, or immobile or whatever it was that, yeah, that Rachel didn't think that she was able to do anything to her. But, yeah, that was pretty horrific. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: I do love that, that you can buy a Rachel from Pop doll that just has a pencil <laughs> in the eye.
1: Oh, <laughs> the eye. oh, oh my, my God! <laughs> I didn't know that.
0: Yes. I also own the Helena one, where she's just covered in blood and holding a knife. <laughs> oh, gee. I
1: think I need
2: the Rachel one for my shelf in
1: the basement. <laughs> I appreciate the the show <laughs> gave like half an hour for wrap up because I feel like having been with these characters for fifty episodes, that having some time for the resolution, it didn't just end with oh, Westmoreland's dead. Now we're good. You know the end. It was, we got to have the party Mm -hmm. with them together. You even got, Rachel got her send off, even though she wasn't at the party. Yeah. And just them bonding. like Helena talking about how her babies just like always have sand and she doesn't know where the sand comes (laughs) from. Orange and purple. She's like, I think I I am crap mother because I just let them eat the sand.
0: (laughs) 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 One of the things I love about this show is that it, you know, it doesn't always succeed, but I feel like it tried really hard to be realistic. Yeah. Even down to the act, the choices of actors who, ha- there's lots of older actors, actors who aren't traditionally attractive, but different, like, types.
1: Actors who you do not want to see their rear end, but they keep sure. shoving it in your <laughs> face anyway. But
0: yeah, I love the <laughs> wrap up where Sarah's going to get her GED and she chickens out like you just defeated yeah. a multinational corporation and you, you can't hack a math test like it's it seems very realistic that you go through this kind of traumatic event but at the end of the day you're still you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that if you're going to go against a uh, you know a, a powerful, manipulative, uh, very rich organization, it makes sense that you know there's going to be casualties, and you know a lot of them hurt. You know, I mean, Mrs. S was one that was really painful
3: to have her die. I mean, we talked about how horrific the MK one was. Well, but that was the only one that was. I mean, yeah, Tatiana doing Bjork kind of hurt a little <laughs> bit, but. <laughs>
1: It's funny because it's true.
3: Yeah, <laughs> but Mrs. S is the only one that is the only one that got any real emotion. I almost feel like they chickened out in that regard in the last season. Yeah, they did the whole Sarah going for her GED, but the Clone Club itself, there they didn't. They won. Mrs. S was the, the only loss. They had uh, Allison made it, Helena made it, you know, Cosima made it. Everyone, I, I kind of think it would have been. They had this chance to kill off at least one of the main clones that I think they should have taken, Hmm. at least to make it more... Perhaps the one at death's door for four seasons.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, this is the same comment I make about Aunt May and Spider-Man all the time, where it's just like, just let her die already, okay?
3: The until woman's Marissa Tomei. I'm sorry, what? Only until Marissa Tomei started playing her. Now she must.
1: Live. Well, well, sure. No, I mean, yes. How how she's classically been depicted as a woman yeah. who is older than Abraham Lincoln and is still <laughs> kicking around. But somehow, as a teenage nephew. <laughs> right. Yeah. She she's hospitalized like every other day. You know, it's just like. Yeah. I know it'd be hard on Peter, but just let her die. It's. You know? but anyway but no I I see your point also but but yeah I mean I appreciate the fact that they at least were trying to do some grounding and to Angie's point this isn't a CW show with just a bunch of 20 something attractive people they did diversify the cast even if they are 90% Tatiana Maslany, An attractive
3: 20 twenty thirty something person, yeah.
1: The the other ten percent is uh you know fairly good good mix.
3: It's Delphine and Scott. You know? <laughs> and art. Uh, and don't art. Forget <laughs> art.
1: But anyway. Yeah. Tony Chubbs. <sighs> yeah. Alright, so we've talked a good bit about the show, so any final thoughts? Why don't we start with you, Beth?
2: um what do you mean by
1: the well just anything you feel like you want to talk about that we haven't covered already would you recommend this show to someone else absolutely okay. i already
2: have
1: see so, okay so that's something but nothing there's nothing that you feel like we haven't uh talked i, about I you think talk we pretty
2: much covered it
1: so angie same thing uh any anything that uh, you want to mention that we haven't already or and also would you recommend this show
0: I absolutely would recommend it I recommended it to you in fact I went as far as to send it to you
1: oh that's right so I should have said this at the beginning but yes yeah, so Angie and I made a bet 15 years ago or something <laughs> it was a long time ago and uh, because of this bet Angie owes me five hundred dollars and she's been paying it in DVDs <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Over time, she has been slowly paying me off in DVDs, so Orphan (laughs) Black Season 1 was part of that, so... (laughs) I appreciate it, Angie, this is a very good one.
0: Yeah, I think if... I would absolutely recommend it, especially if uh, you enjoy more character-driven stuff. The show... Due to a variety of reasons, does have a lot of threads that get dropped, and it's really labyrinthine, and sometimes the plot's hard to follow, but I never got sick of watching any of these characters. I enjoyed it start to finish, just for that. So, much like Fringe, which is one of my other favorite shows, it's just an examination of these characters that you really enjoy digging in and watching them go.
1: So when do I get the Fringe box set, Angie?
0: Do you want it? I will send it to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
3: I want dibs on that podcast. <laughs> you,
1: um, you don't get dibs on it, Ryan. <laughs> uh,
3: so much to say about Fringe. Uh,
1: oh, you mean on the actual episode, not not on getting a box set from Angie? Oh, uh, no, you're but, calling dibs yeah, on a the, box? It's the, the show of Fringe. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I need to watch Fringe. It's on my list, so you yeah, know. I could
3: care less how you watch it but <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> when the time comes. <laughs>
1: So, Ryan, uh, how about you? Did, is there anything that we didn't mention about Orphan Black that you want to talk about? And would you recommend the show?
3: I would absolutely recommend it. I have recommended it. I've got recommended. But yeah, but I've, rec- I, I've got one friend who oh, I, I kind of want to just I, strangle her because for like a year, <laughs> I was telling her, you need to watch this. You need to watch this. She never did. And then on Facebook about six months ago, she's like, oh, my God, you guys, has anyone seen Orphan Black? This is the best <laughs> show ever. <I> mean, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Don't you hate that when somebody takes up something that you've recommended and pretends
3: like you never recommended it? <laughs> you know, and if you've if you're listening to this and you haven't watched it, well, then A, am sorry. <laughs> but you know, B, go out and watch it definitely. And because it does it does sound like we're ragging on it a lot, but it's because we we love it. it it's not a perfect show. It does feel like from season to season that it's <laughs> changing itself completely. But it does it in such a way that you're you're gonna follow along. What was it, the end of season two when you find out that there are male clones, that mm-hmm. Castor exists and you <gasps> and you got to binge it. So you guys go straight into that. I mm-hmm. had to wait a year <laughs> to find out what they were doing with that. So, really, I don't think we mentioned it, but the only thing I would say is that I read somewhere that Tatiana would dance. That's how she got, she changed personality in her head in between scenes. If she had to go from Sarah to Helena or whatever, she had a particular dance that she did for each of them. And at the end of that one season, when the clone club dances, that's her doing the dance she had for each individual clone.
1: Mm.
4: Oh.
3: Oh, and I will
1: say, they seamlessly had her share scenes with herself there was yeah. no obvious game playing like you know you're used to seeing with one character stands at one side of the screen and the other character stands on the other side and it's a locked shot so that they can sort of just re-record with the person on the other side i mean it's nothing like that they, they, they're they dynamic shots the characters move all over the place and it just works seamlessly they hug each
2: other yeah they yeah.
1: hug each other there's all kinds of stuff where it's just like Again, it's, it sells that illusion that these are all separate people very well because there's no I I mean I'm sure if I was a film student or something you know with modern techniques I would understand but it's not using any of the obvious gimmicky tropes right. with that kind of recording.
3: We've come a long way from the Patty Duke show, <laughs> but yeah, about that the the actress that played opposite Tatiana who is literally in every episode but we never see her because it overlaps with Tatiana. The only time we ever see her face, she played one of the Prometheans. Mm. She played like the the babysitter or the house the nanny or something like that. The dark haired uh, nanny. That is the actress who who did all the body work. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah, for the other clones. Yeah. Oh, the other thing I was going to say about the dancing is the actress that plays Charlotte. If you go, if you can find it on YouTube, but she reenacted the clones dancing as little versions of all of them uh, doing their own (laughs) dance. So you can go find a little Helena and a little Cosima and all of them being played by the actress who plays Charlotte doing the same dances. Oh, very cool. Yeah,
2: sounds adorable.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'll echo a lot of what Ryan said just in that if I sound like I was ragging on their show, it is not in any way because I think that it is a bad show. There are certain things that got on my nerves or that I thought were problematic, especially binging the whole thing, which wasn't the way it was intended to be viewed. It was intended to be viewed as a episodic weekly show, so it is somewhat unfair to to binge and sort of be like, well, all five seasons don't hang up as one, you know? If you watch all 50 episodes back to back, you know, you can see some issues. But uh, I love the characters, even though you know most of them are played by the same actress. <laughs> I love the characters even beyond that. I mean, even the bad guys. I mean, work for the most part. You know, in that they're they're very watchable villains. Yeah. Like I say, I really enjoy watching Rachel, even though she is not particularly a good person. So it might be the British accent, though.
2: We <laughs> <laughs> should just apologize to all our international listeners it's right <laughs> here
1: now. Canadians, French, and British.
3: Yeah,
1: sorry. I don't know. You referred to MK as Bjork as, oh. as- <laughs>
3: Icelandic and Finnish. We are also sorry. <laughs> You're nothing alike unless you want to be alike. In which case, you are. <laughs>
1: Jeez. So anyway, these things we say, we say in jest. So yeah, I mean, uh, I I like all the characters. I think that the plot was intriguing. I often feel that shows that have some sort of deep mystery don't work at the end. I, I often have problems with that kind of show. So me saying that I was kind of underwhelmed by the revelation is just kind of typical of the kind of show it was. But that still doesn't mean that I didn't enjoy the journey because I was riveted. And like Ryan said, we'd get to a cliffhanger for the season. I'd be like, oh! Go to the next one, you know, because I just wanted to keep going. So, yeah, I, it was a show that I wanted to binge because it was so good, and it was hard to stop. Death like was often stopping me when we'd go like six, seven. <laughs> okay, probably never more than six, but like five, six episodes a night, you know. Sleep
4: is a thing. <laughs> <Right>. Stop.
1: <laughs> okay, we can stop. <laughs> so, um, because because it was that powerful of a story. So, yeah, uh, that's what I want to say about that. And, yes, I, I would recommend this show to just about anyone who likes good television. I mean, it's it's got that intrigue and sort of a low-level science fiction. So, yeah, I think that it's something that most people, I think, would like if they just give it a chance. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Michael Faulkner's watching it now, Ryan.
3: He should be. Right? <laughs> Everyone should be. It's a sleeper hit, but I I think it's gonna stand up. I think ten years from now I can rewatch this and still be impressed by it.
1: Well in ten years maybe we'll have Orphan Black the next generation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Orphan blacker? <What>? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a Netflix revival uh, series. Because yeah. they only have to get Tatiana back and it's already a reunion show. <laughs> <you> so, <laughs> <laughs>
2: no, they'll have to get Kira and... and
1: no, Star. but I'm just saying, they, not all the people have to sign up because if they can just get Tatiana back, it's already a reunion show. <laughs> so, everyone else is just icing. Okay.
3: Well, and Felix. You've you really got to feel- have Felix,
1: I'm sorry. <laughs> but, um, anyway... <laughs> I would watch a one-woman show with just Tatiana Maslany we playing did. all the
4: We did! Well, she did it technically,
1: I mean, there were other parts. I'm just saying a true one-woman show. But, anyway. Alright, so yeah, that's, uh, I think, enough about uh, Orphan Black. So why don't we uh, say goodbye and let people know where they can find us? So, Angie, since if nothing's changed and I know you have the least of that, let's start with you.
0: <laughs> so this is me, signing off from my new house. yeah have a good night
1: all right and ryan why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you
3: well uh you know until next time internet i'm not ever gonna really say goodbye you can find me on all these fine people's facebook pages and social media probably you can find me on twitter at geek stranger you you can go to geekstranger.com and see a website that's updated once once or twice a year (laughs)
1: <laughs> so what happened to the Transformers and Spider-Man oh. reviews that you promised on this podcast? Okay.
3: they're you know they're they're more or less written up. The rough drafts are written up and just sitting there waiting for me to go edit. I am my own worst enemy because I will have to reread them like four or five or six times and change the way this sentence is phrased. I can't do it. I'm too much of a perfectionist to just public to throw something out there incomplete. I'm afraid that my third grade English teacher, Miss Conway is going to read it or something, <laughs> but yeah. So it, just as well, actually, because transformers, uh, the last night, uh, oh. <laughs> I don't, I don't even know where to go with that one. <laughs> if you want to do a transformers podcast, though, I'm totally in,
1: uh, I might do a gen one transformers podcast. <laughs> I don't think I want to talk about the Bay movie.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, five minute controversy then. Okay. Sure. <laughs>
1: Do you have anything else to sign off on or to say where people can find you?
3: Well, you, you know what, Internet? If you want to come to Houston and knock on my door, you can, but I won't promise to answer. <laughs> <laughs> all
1: right. <laughs> and, Beth, why don't you sign off and let people know where they can find you?
2: I'm on Facebook, uh, Mrs. Whiskers Studios, and also on Etsy under the same name. And I will see you guys next time. Actually, I won't see you at all. This is creepy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thank all of you for being on the episode today.
0: Yeah, just a bit of trivia on the way out. They are doing a Japanese version of Orphan Black.
1: Interesting. We probably won't be able to get it over here through any like normal means, but that would be interesting if there are fan subs or something made of that. Because yeah, I can already see just just knowing knowing Japanese television is uh, you know it just it's going to be a lot weirder, I think, than oh, they're going to
3: have so this much fun with Elena. <laughs> no, it's great because this means in ten years America will remake the Japanese version. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So awesome. <laughs> yeah
1: okay cool
3: Something you look forward to A- extra bit of trivia we're all one person doing this podcast
1: <laughs> yeah you've never seen all of us in the room at the same time have you dun, dun, dun. <laughs> 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 all right well once again thank you guys for being on the podcast today Good anytime to thanks for having us and that's it for our orphan black episode We hope that you liked it, and there's a variety of ways that you can let us know if you did or not. One way is to email us at everything at 42 castcom You can also go to our website at 42cast.com and leave some feedback on the episode there. You can also go to our Facebook at facebook.com slash 42cast, or you can tweet to us at at 42cast. There's also leaving us reviews, which you can do on Stitcher Radio or Apple Podcasts. I really want to know what you think. I want to know what episodes you're enjoying, what episodes you aren't enjoying. I've gotten feedback via email from a couple of people, which has given me a lot to go on. I've also had some reviews. We've had some comments on the website, et cetera, et cetera, Uh, even one or two on Facebook. So whatever way you want to do it, do it. I prefer email, but that's just because I feel like email tends to be a little bit longer, which gives me a little bit more to go on. But otherwise, yeah, just uh, give us feedback. That's what I want. The other thing that I wanted to mention is the ESO Patreon, patreon.com slash ESO network. If you have a little bit of cash to contribute, it does help us stay on. It helps all the shows on the network. It gives you some access to exclusive content. So please, if you do have something that is an outlet that's available, And the other thing I wanted to mention is that I have another podcast, which is the Time Streams podcast. And that's where Juliet and I are going through all of Doctor Who from the beginning. We're going to talk about every episode. In some cases, we're going to split some of the serials up into two episodes just because they're so long that it's kind of ridiculous to do it all in one episode. We're having a ton of fun doing it, and you can check that out. Uh, it's also on the 42Cast.com website, but of course, time streams is available from all the same places that you can find the 42Cast, so give that a listen as well. One thing that I don't want to forget to mention is that Orphan Black has continued, although not as a TV series. If you're familiar with the Serial Box app, it's an audiobook app where you can either choose to read the stories uh, on your device or you can listen to them. Tatiana Maslany has performed Orphan Black, the next chapter, which is an audiobook that is on the Serial Box app. I think it's 12 episodes, it might be 13 episodes, where basically each one is about an hour long when she reads it. Or you could, like I say, you can read it yourself as a short story. But of course it's great having her doing it because she can do all the voices and everything. And even when she's doing the characters that she didn't do on the TV series, like art... She does a really great job nailing them. I mean, obviously, it's not him. You can tell that in the voice. But it's close enough that you can totally get it, and it sort of feels like you're watching an episode. So I definitely want to recommend that for people. If you loved Orphan Black and you are really jonesing for some new content, listen to Orphan Black, the next chapter. I also want to give out a shout out to Virtual DragonCon. I've got quite a few panels lined up for that already. I'll be on the military sci-fi track talking about the top 16 villains in military sci-fi. I'll be on the X-Track talking about the end of Agents of Shield and whether Endgame affects Agent Carter. I've also already done one for the American sci fi and fantasy media track about the women of the DCCW verse, and I'm going to do one for them on the new Lost in Space series for Netflix. And I'm also doing several panels for the Brit track uh, one talking about James Bond, one talking about Big Finish. Although that one, since there isn't really a schedule for it yet, depending on when it happens, I might not be able to do it, but I'm crossing my fingers that I will. And also did one. about facts about Doctor Who that uh, you probably don't know. I have some irons in the fire with the Apocalypse Rising track where they're not sure if they're doing a Snowpiercer panel or not. If they do, I will most likely be on it. I've applied to several panels with the American Sci-Fi Classics track, but so far, as far as I know, they haven't gotten back to anyone about which panels they're doing so we will see how that works out and whether i do any for the american sci-fi classics track i'm hoping i at least do one but uh, we'll see how that goes so yeah and then uh, once i know about chicago tardis because they're also doing a virtual con i'll let you know where you can find me there as well but otherwise you can always find me here on the 42 cast so that's a wrap for this week. Join us back next week when Zach Levi will not be joining us. And until then, this is Nathan signing off. You have been listening to the 42 cast copyright 2020. Got a question for the ultimate answer. Contact us at everything at 42 cast.com. The music is sharper swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42Cast is a proud member of the ESO Network.
0: This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon... Or by shopping at the Tea Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com.
4: The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.